You are Locked On Women's Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to this Sunday night edition of Locked On Women's Basketball. Five games were on in the WNBA on Sunday after the Mercury topped the Mystics Saturday night. The other 10 teams were in action. We'll be covering three games tonight. Quick notes on the other two. The Sparks were up 22 at the half on the Aces. They went at home 87-71. And of course, that's after the Aces defeated the Sparks at their place the other day. Uh, no Neko Ogumike in that one. She returned to the lineup today after missing some time with a back injury. And then for the Sun in Seattle, a tough one for them. Down two starters already without Alyssa Thomas with that shoulder injury. Courtney Williams also did not travel with the team, uh, citing personal reasons there. Seattle pulled away in this one. They were up 20 after three quarters. They end up winning 84-70 as six Storm players scored 10 points or more. The first game we're going to get into here is the Lynx in Dallas against the Wings. They get a 76-72 win on the road without Danielle Robinson. Missed this game with a hamstring injury. And which we'll get to, Liz Cambage ended up leaving the game with what appeared to be an eye injury. And then there were also some comments after about potential concussion-like symptoms. We'll have to wait and see what the updates are on that one. But from right off the top, uh, the Lynx early on, they they fell in a quick hole. Looking for uh, Sylvia Fowles on a lob, they turned it over. And then she got another deep deep post touch, but then got tied up. And then, once again, uh, doubled by Skylar Diggins-Smith, who was helping off of Lindsey Whalen. That was the play where Cambage initially got hit in the eye. It appeared to be just completely inadvertent. Uh, Fowles was looking to pass out of that double team. And then it was her hand just happened to catch uh, Cambage in the eye. And that said, Dallas actually was out to a 7-0 start. And then Maya Moore really had an awesome game in this one. And all the way throughout, but right away she was able to help them answer that initial run by the wings. She took Kayla Thornton down the baseline with a really nice timed action to kind of tie up the potential help. Rebecca Brunson was had stepped up to set a screen for Simone Augustus up top, who had made that pass over to Moore at the wing. And then in transi- transition, not too long after that, Maya Moore using a screen, quick crossover to get back to the other side, and then hit a three before that that big defender could step up to challenge. And then Cambage actually returned to the game at about the 5.30 mark of the first quarter. And Leticia Romero also came in at that point, and she played the rest of the quarter to give Skylar Diggins-Smith an early break. Cambage had a really nice front of Sylvia Fowles inside the three-minute mark, still in the first quarter here. The Lynx run that screening action so often for Fowles where she's going to catch a screen sometimes at the elbow, sometimes down on the block, to come to the ball side and to get a deep touch. And Cambage is one of those players that she's so big, tall, and long that she can really disrupt that. She can obviously get into Sill's body and really force her to battle hard and can even actually be a player that's able to displace her off of the spots that she wants that she wants to get to. Uh, but, at that, but on that play, Minnesota ended up trying to get it to her. It was a really small window, and it ended up being a, being a turnover there. And mentioned earlier that it looked like Dallas was helping. They had set their initial plan, looked like they were going to help off of whoever Minnesota's point guard was. 
to dig down and maybe get a hand on the ball when Fowles brought it down. And at that point in the game, Alexis Jones was in the game. And at that point, it felt like Minnesota could have capitalized on that to find Jones on the weak side, spotting up, to get a couple open threes. And then coming back the other way, after that nice defensive play by Cambage, after setting a screen, she rolled into a nice post-up, pushed Sylvia Fowles all the way up the lane line, which is something Fowles is usually doing to other opposing centers, and she earned herself a trip to the free throw line. But what stood out to close the quarter was the Lynx going with an all-bench unit, and they got some good shots, and I think some of this kind of developed later in the game to where they actually cashed in on some of those opportunities, but Alexis Jones got all the way to the rim with her strong hand, just didn't fall. Tanisha Wright off the ball, got a nice cut going to the rim again, it just didn't fall. Although off that, they got an offensive rebound put back. And then towards the end of the quarter, uh, a nice spread pick and roll with Alexis Jones and Temi Fagbenli uh, got them a layup, which is obviously great to get with an all-bench un- unit out there. And then also Andy Miam at the four. They set up just a quick horns, pick and roll. Miam pops to the top and she hits a three, which is a big shot to see her hit for the Lynx. And then Romero did have a nice play towards the end of the quarter as filling those back, playing those backup minutes at the point. She was able to just beat her defender one-on-one, get into the lane, kick it out, extra pass, found Kayla George for a three. And then into the second quarter, another awesome play by Cambage. She's still in the game at this point. Sylvia Fowles had her dead to rights. She had her posted up two feet in the restricted area. And she turned to go up with her left hand, and Cambage blocked her shot. And it's just, it's so stunning to see that stuff actually play out, to see a player. And, you know, Sylvia Fowles, all year, 2017, she was just burying people, you know, sometimes that deep, and even not necessarily with two feet in the restricted area, but she would just, as soon as she caught it, you knew she was going to go up, and she was probably going to lay it in. And just to see, (laughs) it's almost, it's, it's just... I think that's a great illustration of just how how powerful a presence Cambage is and how she just really changes the playoff race and really has elevated Dallas to a to a whole new level. But then a couple more notes from that corner from that quarter. Uh the wings actually got into a really nice look out of the pick and roll. They emptied out the left side, the other three players were on the right side of the court, and Cambage set a screen for Skylar Diggins Smith. Cambage rolled hard to the rim, and help can't get there in time, and she gets an and one. And then they ran it the next time down, but that time Cambage didn't roll. And we've obviously seen her knock down jumpers, even knock down a couple threes, but if she's not rolling hard out of that play, they're not necessarily going to get something quite as good. But if Cambage rolls on that, that play, it's really devastating. And without Karima Christmas Kelly the rest of this year, Dallas doesn't quite have their full complement of players, but they can put um, a decent amount of shooting around that, and that becomes a really dangerous weapon. But the real story of the second quarter was Simone Augustus just got cooking. She hit a leaner off the glass that really got her going, pulled along two in transition right over a defender, pick and roll into the middle, hit a floater over Cambage, a really tough shot. And then it just kept going. She curled around, hit a jumper. Minnesota got an offensive rebound, kicked it out to her, and she hit a three. 
So that's 11 points right there from Simone Augustus, and that's just that's just huge for the Lynx. And then one more note for Dallas, out of a timeout, uh, they basically ran, you know, more or less something the Lynx, a staple of the Lynx. Liz Cambage an elbow. Somebody comes set the screen forward to get down to the block. And Minnesota guarded it absolutely perfectly. The thing with fouls that's so interesting watching her continue to succeed and Minnesota's offense to just get them such good looks time after time is like if Sylvie Fowles is standing at an elbow I'm surprised at this point that people aren't just dropping off her because people stay attached to her hip and they're not looking at what's coming behind them and they just get nailed by these screens and Fowles just walks into easy layups and obviously that you know credit the links for great execution and they have a lot of times two actions going on at once, so it's not so easy to see that coming necessarily all the time. But I thought that was a great illustration of, you know, fouls <laughs> seeing something coming that she that you know she benefits from so often. She kind of stepped off of Cambage, and Cambage was at the left elbow, so she's coming down to the right block off of that screen. And Maya Moore was waiting her to make Cambage go under her and basically under the backboard to then get out to the right block, which gave Fowles plenty of time to meet her on the other side. But I thought that was another important play that kind of illustrates um, the back and forth battle there with those two bigs inside. And then Maya Moore, again, this time on defense, she made a couple awesome impact plays. Um, we're at about, the three, at about the four minute mark and Maya's on the weak side Guarding somebody out on the perimeter. Dallas is looking at Cambage in the post. They're looking at her, looking at her. They throw it to her. And by that time, Maya Moore saw that. She read it. She crept off her she crept off her player and then just jumped in that passing lane and stole it. Uh, right as it was the ball was gonna arrive in Cambage's hands. And then about a minute later, she stripped her twice on the same play down inside. Cambage kind of took a dribble, it kind of went down to her waist. Maya got it in there, knocked it away, loose ball, Cambage got it back, and then Maya stripped her again. And then Cambage left the game uh, shortly after there. Well, she, she subbed out, but we ended up not seeing her after that point, not seeing her in the whole second half. And But there were about two and a half minutes left in the first half, and from there it looked, it was, looked like it was going to be a danger zone uh, for the Wings, as they got some good stuff, they got Maya Moore going back door. Uh, they got a couple really nice looks for Sylvia Fowles. And then with Cambage out of the game, with that again, with that screening action, a lot of the times it's Maya Moore setting a screen. And at that point, I'm wondering, Dallas's front court is basically Azrae Stevens, Kayla Thornton, Glory Johnson. That trio is, you're going to see them playing a lot together, even when Cambage is available but resting. Uh, they give them a lot of length and versatility and offensive rebounding, which is huge for them. But seeing fouls get freed off those screens, more or less those three players are, they're all very athletic, they're long, uh, they're active. And it was I was starting to wonder why they weren't switching that. And then uh, fouls got freed off a screen. Glory Johnson, you could hear on the, on the broadcast, it came through. She was yelling at Kayla Thornton, switch that, switch that. She didn't. Uh, Glory ended up recovering and still blocking the shot, which was an incredible play. And then it looked like in the second half, uh, they kind of adjusted. 
And Skylar Diggins-Smith was huge for them. Um, as mentioned, that could have been danger time if the Lynx really pulled ahead big before the end of the half. But she got to the line, knocked down a pair of free throws, and then stripped Lindsey Whalen right before the buzzer. And so that so Cambage actually left the game with the Wings down seven, and they actually held there going into the second half. And at the time, we didn't we didn't really have much of an update yet on Cambage. That came through later, but even without our Dallas. Dallas really rallied in this game, and they were right in it down to the stretch. As mentioned, we saw some of that switching three through five to really negate some of that stuff for fouls, or at least make it tougher, that they weren't just able to throw a bullet into her after she got a screen. Uh, The Lynx did pull ahead by 13 in the second half, but then Dallas made a nice push. Alicia Gray got fouled on a three. She hit the free throws. Uh, Skylar Diggins-Smith caught a flare screen. The Lynx didn't quite react to it quick enough. She hit a three, and then Alicia Gray hit another three in transition, and that that got him within six, which was huge. And then mention again, it looked like the Wings were going to try to double, especially with Skylar Diggins-Smith, and try to get her to dig in on fouls and just try to get, get a hand on the ball, especially if she brings it down, and just try to muck that up. And... And to their credit, and to Skyler's credit in particular, she made some nice plays there. Around the middle of the quarter, uh, she came down the bait to the baseline side of Fowles, and Fowles just fell right into it. She just turned right into Skyler with the ball at about her waist, and Skyler just grabbed it right out of there. Uh, and the ball actually was loose, rolling away, and this was really a big swing play in the game. Azrae Stevens dove, saved it from going out of bounds, and then they hit Alicia Gray leaking out for a layup. And one thing for the Lynx that wasn't the most encouraging, but as mentioned, Daniel Robinson wasn't available tonight because of a hamstring injury. But on offense especially, the minutes they got, the non-Lindsey Whalen minutes at point guard weren't that great. Offensively, they kind of struggled at times just to get into something. And, you know, Augustus having a great second quarter, that helped him out a ton. But that, in a way, was something that allowed Dallas to stay in the game. They really uh, vamped up their ball pressure and just kind of blew up a couple possessions just by forcing a Minnesota player to pick up their dribble way up on the three-point line. And they just, even if Sylvia Fowles was wide open under the basket, you know, when they were forced that far out, it really just blew up a couple of their sets. And then, so it's a one-point game going into the fourth quarter, and that Dallas group with basically Glory Johnson for Liz Cambage, so basically their starting group at that point with her unavailable. They played all 10 minutes of the third quarter, and so that ended up uh, being something that really shined through as the Lynx were able to get something out of a couple of their bench players, but also they got a couple of their key players rest during this fourth quarter, which they ended up pulling out. One thing that stood out in the fourth was Minnesota's switching and especially on anything involving Skylar Diggins-Smith with the ball in her hands. And what that what that really did was it, it really took away any chances for her to get going downhill. And if she's getting a ball screen and Minnesota switches it and they communicate it well, the only real option is, you know, you can get going in that same direction and go really hard, but you just have a much better chance of corralling that action, in which Minnesota did really effectively. And I think something with Dallas's offense 
and you know again it's not you know you're not going to knock them too hard of course for losing this game without Liz Cambage for the whole second half but I think there are some things we we learned about their offense you know because when Cambage isn't in the game and she's not posting up they still need to do a little bit better to maximize you know that front court trio of Azrae Stevens Glory Johnson and Kayla Thornton and they've got to open up the court and have when one of them set in the screen, they got to have the lane open so that that screener can roll to the rim, especially those three players because they're so athletic. You know, Glory Johnson can really get up um, off the ground. Azrae Stevens has a little bit more versatility. You know, she can take a dribble and maybe hit a short jumper if that's the one thing that's there. But a couple times, you know, one of those players might slip or roll to the rim and something was there, but then the other player one of those three would cut at the same time, so then they're just running into each other. And that and that made things harder on them when they did have, um, when there was, you know, a sign there that they were going to get something good. And then Kayla George, to her credit, she ended up playing a ton and basically closing this game. She got, she got a catch on one of those rolls and hit a floater over Sylvie Fowles, so she came over and was the help in that case, which was a, a nice easy bucket uh, for the wings in that case. But Rebecca Brunson hit a transition three right in the middle of that stretch before that uh, Kayla George floater, which was huge. Uh, then Maya down the baseline, she drew two people. That's what created that uh, three for Brunson early in the shot clock. And then as mentioned, the Lynx kind of got something out of their bench. It was mainly just uh, Cecilia Zandalcini and Tanisha Wright playing in that fourth quarter. But Zandalicini, uh, the Lynx got an offensive rebound, and then Zandalicini got a, a layup off a backdoor cut, which is huge for them. And then Maya Moore, at about the seven-minute mark, as mentioned, a staple for the Lynx is that screening action. She's going to go screen for Sill, and a lot of times Sill is just open, and they get her the ball, and she gets an easy one. But what makes that so dangerous is, especially with Maya Moore setting that screen, if her defender tries to hang back and to help on fouls at all, Maya Moore can either catch a screen from another teammate or just pop out without one and just straight to the three-point line, get an open three, or in this case, she caught it, pump fake because that defender is sprinting out to her because, oh yeah, that's Maya Moore who's wide open. And then she hit a jumper, which was huge. And then Simone Augustus, something she probably still doesn't get enough credit for, especially in Sylvia Fowles' MVP run, is her passing, especially her high-low passing. And at the six-minute mark, she had a money entry right into Sil that got him a layup. And then Zandalasini struck again at about four and a half minutes uh, with a three, with aerial powers right there uh, in her face. And that put the links up six. So this was still very much a back-and-forth game. Um, and the Wings had responded to that early 13-point uh, lead the Lynx had built at halftime. And then going quickly, and then down the stretch of this game, Ariel Powers had a pair of free throws that tied the game at 70 with under three minutes to play. Alicia Gray got a nice backdoor layup, and the Lynx had piled up a couple of those, so if you're the Wings, it was nice to get that. Easy bucket, going to the rim. 
Uh, Maya Moore coming back the other way. She rejected a screen, uh, went straight to the rim, got fouled, hit two free throws. And this was a big play here. Skylar Diggins-Smith got a wide open three. Uh, there was kind of just a cluster of three wings players, including Skylar. And then she ended up fading to the corner. And as the Lynx, there was a switch involved there. Um, as those defenders were kind of trying to keep an eye on the ball at the same time on the other side, Skylar slipped to the corner and was open there to get that shot, which just didn't fall. But obviously a great look uh, for Dallas. And, um, you know, that cluster is just, it just created some confusion. And they obviously got a great look out of it. So it's a good thing to see from the Dallas perspective. And then Maya Moore again, one dribble hits a pull-up jumper. Uh, that put the Lynx up two with about 70 seconds left. And then Wings come back, uh, shot doesn't fall for them. Maya Moore, uh, foul, loose ball foul, so she goes to the line. She hits one out of two, and that puts the links up three. And then Skylar Diggins-Smith got going to the rim. She drew Sylvia Fowles all the way over across the lane. She had to commit to her, dumped it out to Gloria Johnson, and the layup didn't fall. So then about 31 seconds left, uh, Dallas opted to try to get a stop. They're down three. And then uh, the Wings end up having to switch. On to Maya Moore. Uh, she takes a dribble in um, and ends up getting fouled. The refs call a foul on Glory Johnson. Uh, Maya picked up her dribble and then kind of stepped through into a leaning jumper. And it, it was really tough to tell on the replay. I don't know um, what other angles the refs would have gotten, you know, if this were a reviewable play. But we, what we got on the broadcast was just... Um, looking straight into Maya's back. So it was impossible to tell from my perspective on whether or not Maya got hit, but it looked from that look that Johnson may have gotten Maya just with a, a graze across the shoulder um, and in that area. Maya hits one out of two and that puts him up four with about 10 seconds left. And then a runner doesn't fall for the wings and the clock ends up running out there. And that, a big win, win for the Lynx on the road they end up sweeping the season series with Dallas. And as mentioned, you know, big picture, not taking a ton away from that considering Cambage wasn't even available for the Wings to use in the second half. I think the big thing for them is, you know, you saw that awesome fight without one of their two best players available. And that's a testament, I think, to their front line and obviously to Diggin Smith leading the way. Uh, but as mentioned, I think the... You know, the rotations, decisions down the stretch, I think there were a couple of things that Fred Williams could have tried. You know, as mentioned, you know, the Lynx, Simone Augustus, Maya Moore, Lindsey Whalen each got a break in that fourth quarter. Uh, Fowles played the whole way, and then uh, Brunson came back in the game and played the final about about eight-plus minutes. But uh, Zandalosini hit a couple of big shots for them, and Tanisha Wright also gave them some minutes in that stretch. But for Dallas, it was, you know, it was Diggin Smith, Ariel Powers, Gloria Johnson, Kayla George, basically. And then uh, Kayla Thornton started the quarter, and then Alicia Gray ended up subbing into the game. So not a lot of Kayla Thornton, not a lot of Azrae Stevens down the stretch. And, you know, either, either one of those two, I think, especially Stevens. And, you know, this, and at, you know, at this point, we might, it's, it's easy to, um, 
say that we're nitpicking, but Stevens gives them so much offensively. Her shooting, and I talked about them kind of making sure that they're not running into each other, especially all those rangy forwards that they have. But Stevens especially, I think there's a lot that they can still tap into there because she's not necessarily this, you know, she obviously isn't really this ultra-strong player that's just going to body people out of the way, but she can get to a turnaround jumper. She can kind of hit a floater. And to get her in the lane and have her hit that kind of stuff for you, she can attack a closeout. I think that's just an element that they really missed down the stretch in this one. But as mentioned, you know, you hear Liz Cambage is out, and initially you think they might not even have a chance to stay in the game, and they put themselves right there down the stretch. And if they get that layup at the end of fall, um, could be a totally different outcome. So moving on to Atlanta at Indiana, the Dream win at 87-83. Imani uh, McGee-Stafford and Brittany Sykes were in the starting lineup. Tiffany Hayes coming off that ankle injury is still coming off the bench. And Elizabeth Williams came off the bench in this one uh, after she had not been with the team on Friday. That was uh, Kent Youngblood had that she was attending her sister's wedding, uh, the reason for that. And no Stephanie Mavunga still for the Fever with that ankle injury. And Cappy Pondexter, who was uh, just signed by the Fever, uh, it looked like she was dressed or she had just had team gear on, but she didn't. She was not uh, available to play in this one. Victoria Vivians had a huge game for the Fever in this one. And if you saw that stat line prior to watching it, you would laugh because right out of the jump ball, um, the Fever just got a clean tip and just one pass straight to Vivians at the wing. The Dream just were trying to get matched up and Vivians was already there and she hit a three. And then coming off a screen about two minutes later, she hit another one. So she was really able to get off to a nice start. And then McGee Stafford, you know, she shot seven for 10 in that Lynx game, getting the start for Williams, not being there. And she was, and she was huge for them offensively in this one, especially just with her ability to knock down a jumper. And right away she hit a face up jumper. And then on a short roll, she hit another one. So that was huge for them. But Bernie Sykes was the story in this game. She she was on fire to start the game. Um, off a skip, she hit, she nailed a three, uh, hit a pull-up two in transition, and then just a V-cut straight out, catch and shoot for a three. Uh, hit it right over her defender. She was awesome for them. And then I think, you know, with Sykes being back in the lineup after seeing that foot injury, you're really seeing what she adds to their offense. And there was a play at about the four-minute mark in the first quarter, Angel McCautry was trying to post up on the left side. She saw somebody creeping over, and right, and that was Brittany Sykes' defender. Right as that player had their momentum going towards Angel, she just fired a laser out to Sykes, and she nailed a three. But then Sykes did go down with what looked like a right angle, ankle injury. Uh, just unfortunate uh, timing, stepping on a teammate's foot as she was defending a post up. So she left the game briefly, but she did not end up coming back in the second quarter and she just had a nasty drive at about the 630 mark uh, pick and roll left side of the court she takes one dribble left crosses back over to what a lot of people will call snaking the pick and roll and then Candace Dupree was the defender who had jumped out there so she crossed her over to get back going towards the middle and then it was just a race to the rim and Sykes is going to win that every time laid it in with her left hand Again, it's just you see 
those kind of plays that not a lot of players, period, can make. And for Atlanta, a team that, you know, everyone's talking about, obviously the number one defense, but they just, their offense at times for stretches, it hurts them. And they're just not able to hit enough shots. And Sykes got off to a bad start shooting the ball, but you can definitely see a game like this kind of being a catalyst uh, for her and then really the whole team. And then not 30 seconds later, um, something else Sykes is able to do on the other side of the ball that not a lot of players are able to do is just get up off the floor some, for some ridiculous blocks. And that time happened to be she chased down uh, Tiffany Mitchell and was able to block her right at the rim. Kelsey Mitchell, uh, the number two overall pick, this was a quiet game for her. And Sykes had a, big, a, a lot to do with that. She drew um, the main assignment on her and she was able to battle to get over screens to take away those easy threes for Kelsey Mitchell. And if you take those away, on this Fever team as constructed right now, they just don't have enough outside shooting. So if Mitchell turns a corner, uh, the defense is going to be able to kind of step up to contain her, force a kick out, and she doesn't have as many knockdown three-point shooters where they're going to really make somebody pay for that at this point, which can be frustrating to see. Um, but, you know, Atlanta did a good job of taking away uh, a lot of potential easy looks for Kelsey Mitchell. And another, you know, talking about Atlanta's offense, you see, you see these, you see every once in a while, um, you know, Nikki Collin had a quote after a game a while back. She just asked about what went wrong on offense, and she, she used the phrase, a lot of, you know, a lot of playbook murder was going on out there. But every once in a while, you see the glimpses. And as I mentioned with the Lynx, what makes them so dangerous is a lot of times they have two stuff, two things going on at the same time which makes them really tough to guard. And right before halftime, something that just got him something so simple that got him an easy bucket. Tiffany Hayes is in the right corner. McGee Stafford is up high with Renee Montgomery, who brought the ball up. And Montgomery passed to Amani, and they've got a little dribble handoff option there. And meanwhile, on the left side of the court, Jessica Breland is setting a screen for Angel McCautry. She curls right around that. And Amani made a great read to abort the DHO option. She just throws it straight to Angel, who got a head start on her defender and just strolled right in for a layup. And then to start the second half, we saw uh, Brittany Sykes and Amani with a nice give and go on the right side of the court. Sykes threw it into her in the post. And then she kind of started down the baseline. And then just another, this is a, this is just becoming a Brittany Sykes podcast, but Another thing that just makes her such a special player is her quickness. She kind of strolled towards the basket. She's still on the same side as Amani. She stopped, and then just right away she started up again and then ran right by her defender, caught the ball basically right under the basket, and was able uh, to lay it in. And then about a minute after that, we saw another uh, face-up jumper from McGee Stafford, which, again, it's just it's so huge for Atlanta, who's playing you know, two traditional bigs a lot of the time and on offense, especially in the sense where they're neither is really spending a lot of time behind the three-point line. They're not threats to shoot the three ball. So when they're open for those mid-range jumpers, it's huge that they're getting something um, out of their bigs when they get those shots. So it looked like, you know, Atlanta was kind of maintaining a nice lead there. And at some point, 
you figure, you know, the fever, won one game all season. Maybe this is where the dreams separate. But with the dream up 10, a really wild sequence uh, towards the end of the quarter really seemed to turn the tide of the game, and the fever kind of got back into it. McCautry got trapped um, up high. She got the ball out, found the open person, ended up with Elijah Clarendon for an open three. Uh, didn't go in in the battle for the loose ball. It ends up with Erica Wheeler, and as it's coming down the other way, Tiffany Hayes made a great break on it and almost kind of knocked the ball out. But then Wheeler, falling out of bounds, um, is able to find a teammate, and Victoria Vivians ended, ends up nailing a three. And then the dream come back. Uh, Angel actually got a nice give-and-go with Elizabeth Williams. She got a layup, but then she didn't get back. Victoria Vivians beat her down the court, down the left side, hit another three. So 10 goes down to six, and then the dream miss on their next trip. And then Victoria Vivians grabs the rebound. She takes it all the way down, hits up, uh, hits a pull-up jumper to put them within, within four. So then the Fever were, you know, they were back in range. Um, it's a two-position game at this point. And, uh, you know, the crowd really got into it, and they got fired up in that. You could really sense that um, the Fever were a lot more confident at that point. So then after that run, that little mini spurt, the crowd's going crazy. Atlanta calls a timeout, and <laughs> three players end up getting a technical foul on this sequence. And the way I would describe it is Erica Wheeler walked up to Victoria Vivians, and it's like, you know, if somebody hits, a teammate hits a big shot, and you kind of run up to them, and you kind of, and you, you know, in celebrating, you might, you know, in excitement, you would shove them in the chest. Um, and it was like Erica Wheeler was doing that, but Angel McCautry was standing right there, and so she ends up just two forearms right into Angel, and then with her right hand, she kind of just shoves her in the back, going towards the bench. And as you would expect, <laughs> as most people would do, Angel took exception to that. She turned around, just gave a light shove back. Wheeler gives another one back, and then everyone's getting involved. Um, Vivian's has a smile on her face, and she's just trying to separate everybody. The refs go to the monitors. Um, Wheeler and McCautry get texts. And then Natalia Chanwa also got one. And it was unclear what she really did um, that stood out enough to do that. She kind of ran She kind of ran in late. And as Angel's kind of stepping back and getting pulled away by a teammate, um, it, just, it just seemed like a Chanwa just caught a bad break where she's kind of trying to just just simply just run into the mix, and as Angel's kind of coming that way, I guess she bumped her. Well, she did bump into her, and I guess that must have been what they got for her, got her for. But down the stretch, uh, this game was just all about Tiffany Hayes. She ended up only playing 18 minutes, but she totally took over for them, and, I mean, she looks great coming off that ankle injury, just completely unguardable in isolation because she's just so quick. Um... Because of those three techs, two of them being on the fever, uh, Hayes got a technical free throw. She stepped to the line. And then getting the ball back at, for Atlanta at the end of the quarter, she ends up finishing the quarter with an and one. And the Dream are up eight. And then um, in the fourth quarter, again, it was just all Hayes. You know, a totally broken play. Atlanta was dead in the water, going nowhere. She kind of comes up with the ball, running towards the sideline and just throws up a floater, and she nailed it. 
Uh, in transition, she got Candace Dupree on a cross match, waved everybody away, took her down the baseline, uh, drove it and scored it. And another thing with Victoria Vivians, it wasn't just the threes um, and the jump shooting. She's really developing a nice feel on side pick and rolls when she can get to the middle. And especially with Candace Dupree, who's such a deadly pick and pop scorer, when she gets to that long two, uh, Vivians fed her for a nice jumper there. And then out of a timeout again, Indiana was able to score out of the same thing with Vivians uh, throwing it back to Dupree for a jumper. And then right off, to, right off of that jumper, one of the real big plays of the game, um, which may go a little bit unsung in that one, but the Dream missed a shot, and Dupree is streaking right down the middle of the floor. She's going to be wide open for a layup. And Renee Montgomery saw that pass. She was able to get into the play. She got a deflection on that pass, which then led to an Atlanta steal. And then on that possession, uh, Montgomery actually drew a three-shot foul. And she hit all three hit all three to put Atlanta back up by six. So a big swing there where the fever, had they gotten that layup or just held possession and hit a three, they could have even tied the game on that position possession. And then after that play, a little bit later, Brittany Sykes in pick and roll with McGee Stafford, uh, two of the real stars of this game. Uh, Sykes got all the way to the rim. Tough shot didn't fall, but uh, McGee Stafford was there to clean it up because Sykes drew her defender, and that allowed her to crash the glass. And then down the stretch, it was a really fun close to this one as the teams were really going back and forth. Uh, both teams were able to score. And again, Hayes was the one that really stood out in this one, and McGee Stafford also hit another big jumper uh, in that stretch. And uh, right at the end there, uh, Hayes ends up with the ball in isolation. She crosses over. Hits a floater over Vivian's with 24 seconds left to put them up six. Vivian's got to the line the next time down, uh, but then Hayes got fouled to seal it. Uh, and Atlanta gets the gets an important vic- road victory. Vivian's line in this one, she finishes with 27, 7, and 3. 8 for 12 from the field, 5 for 7 on threes, and 6 for 6 at the line. Hayes, as mentioned in those limited minutes, 19 and 6. Uh, 7 of 9 shooting, and 5 of 5 at the line. 20 points and 7 assists for Brittany Sykes. Uh, 7 of 12 from the field, 3 for 4 on threes. And then Angel McCautry, kind of a quiet 15, 7 of 13 shooting. And those three players, you know, now that Sykes is back and, you know, if she's hitting shots, you know, Atlanta's really got a nice big three on their perimeter with players who can, who can get their own shot who seem to have already have a pretty nice feel for each other to set each other up. And, and that'll be really interesting to watch that continue to develop moving forward. And then perhaps the game of the night, uh, New York at Chicago, these, pl- these teams just played each other in New York. The Sky came away with a big win in that one. Still no Marissa Coleman for the Liberty. She's out with that ankle injury. And we'll go, I'll go down the stretch in this one. Um, but just a couple things early on, you know, Allie Quigley is in, you know, she had an incredible line in this one. She's, she, in 38 minutes, had 28 and three assists, nine of 17 shooting, five for 10 on threes. And she's just so tough to keep, tra- keep track of 
and they do a really good job of running her off screens and making her a really big part of their offense. And early on, New York got out to a quick lead, quick lead, but Chicago was getting good stuff out of the gate. Quigley got two wide-open threes in transition. They just didn't fall. Uh, they had a wide-open layup that didn't fall either. And early in this game, um, when, I saw, when I saw this, I laughed, and I hope other people noticed it because as much as a beating uh, as the officials take, at least for once we got a player driving into a defensive player um, who just st- stood in their own space and absorbed the contact, and the offensive player fell to the ground. This case it was Shavante Zellis, and the refs didn't call a foul. They didn't just assume because somebody fell. They didn't just give him the foul. Uh, Steph Dolson, she was standing there. She jumped straight up, didn't make any contact with Zellis anywhere with her arms, um, and that was just. It was nice to see that for a change. Um, the defense get rewarded for just holding fort in in uh, their own position. But more on Quigley, in the first five minutes of the game, uh, they got her two times in those first five minutes on just an Iverson cut, which she then immediately um, stops and then just goes back door. Um, so she's basically running across the free throw line from one side to the other with a big on each elbow. And then once she gets to the end, instead of popping out to the three-point line, she just dives right to the rim. And uh, the ball entered to Steph Dolson at the elbow both those times. She was able to dime her up for those layups. And it was funny to see it early on because New York has run that same action and had some success with it. Um, But part of the threat with Quigley is that you're thinking about her popping up out at any moment to get a three. So those were really really nice reads by her. And later in the game, you saw them go back to that where Quigley started that Iverson cut, but before she even passed that first big, which again was Dolson, she stopped and just backed up to the three-point line. Dolson slid in to set that screen, and she banged a three, um, which is obviously another huge shot for them to get something um, off a relatively simple action and just reading the defense. And with Dolson, she didn't have a great shooting night, but you just see how tough it is to guard Chicago and how with Dolson as a real stretch five that you have to respect out there, defenses have to change how they guard her, um, or they have to they have to change what they may, might be used to. And we saw a couple, you know, twice we saw uh, Amanda Zowie B um, just kind of sagging off or help overhelping when she didn't need to. And when you're on Steph Dolson, Chicago's going to find her. And both times, uh, she hit a three. And then another time, a really fun set from this guy. They put Courtney Vandersloot in an elbow. Diamond DeShields threw it to her. She handed it off to DeShields. And she dribbled with the right hand, kind of probing the defense. And New York switched it, so they were fine. But it was Kia Stokes on Dolson in the opposite corner, who had just sagged over towards the middle of the court just because as a big that's your natural instinct and you're thinking oh no you know diamond shields can get to the rim in a second and she can elevate and finish and diamond made a great read to skip it over to dolson although that shot didn't fall Um, just a really fun wrinkle in chicago's offense and it shows that with all their passing with all their players that can attack the basket they can really uh, set up some stuff that's just really tough to guard and to, to speak on Diamond to Shields, 
She also didn't shoot the ball all that well in this game. But if you're a Sky fan and just if you're just watching it, I don't think you're really upset with any of those shots or that you'd really even be all that critical, you know. And DeShield's got some really good shots that just didn't fall. And those are ones that, and, you know, just in the second or in the third quarter alone, uh, on the fast break, you know, semi-contested, missed a layup. A really nice two-dribble pull-up pull up to attack a closeout. You know, a little baby eight-foot, nine-foot jumper just didn't fall. Uh, in the pick-and-roll, got to the rim with her right hand. And again, a contest was there, but a really good look. And I think that kind of trumps the fact that just on this night, a couple of those didn't fall. And Courtney Vandersloot was hitting from the outside. She shot four for six from three. And late in the fourth or in the fourth quarter, she got a really nice one just off of a quick flare screen. Um, and again, with and especially with what Steph Dolson adds to this team, because she's somebody that you have to think about as a threat to shoot. Um, in this case for Vandersloot, it was Gabby Williams who just stepped up, and it may have just been a read she made by herself to uh, free Vandersloot up. Uh, Tina Charles was guarding Williams on that play, and she was all over it, but it just happened so fast that um, Vandersloot's defender wasn't able to react in time, and she banged a three. And then later in this game, uh, Cheyenne Parker was in foul trouble throughout this one. She ended up playing 20-plus minutes, but they brought her back in the fourth quarter with five, and she fouled out shortly after, and the sky had a tough decision to make. Um, you know, Gabby Williams had been guarding Kiavon, so, you know, that's the Liberty Center. And a couple times she got beat uh, watching the ball, and Vaughn just slipped past her back door. One time, Williams actually got back into the play and was able to deflect it, and this guy got a steal, but then another time, uh, Vaughn slipped by her, ended up getting an and one. And then this guy switched the matchups, putting Dolson onto Vaughn, and Dolson also was in foul trouble, so maybe that may have been more so the reason, but then Williams was on Charles, and Charles got two quick scores, um, was able to just get her body into her, rise up, bank in a jumper, and then got her own miss for an and one after her own uh, getting her own miss. So then Parker came back in after that, after those, after that string of plays, and then she picked up her sixth at about the two and a half minute mark, uh, trying to step up and stop Epiphany Prince in the pick and roll. So that was a tough break for the Sky. Parker was playing well in this one. Uh, she's getting at the free throw line, which was huge for them. And then at about the two minute mark of the fourth quarter, Again, another just illustration of how tough it is to guard Allie Quigley with how much she moves and how big of a threat she is as a three-point shooter. Dolson set a down screen for Quigley. Liberty got through it just fine. And then Dolson stepped back up to set a flare. The Liberty switched it. Again, they were fine. Quigley drove with her right hand. The Liberty naturally switched it back. Uh, when Quigley picked up her dribble, they're still fine. Quigley kicked it out to Courtney Vandersloot at the top, and she just kind of stepped back out to the left wing where she was already. And Vandersloot just took one hard dribble, got to about the elbow, and Quigley's defender bit and just took a step over to try to help on that drive. And Vandersloot threw it right out to Quigley, who hit a three, which was a huge play. And it looked like, you know, 
that late in the game. Um, looked like it could have been a big momentum swing. But Shavante Zealous, uh, somebody asked me on Twitter the other day about uh, most impressive, most disappointing player. And Zealous hasn't quite been the player that she was last year. Uh, somebody that I thought should have made an all-defensive team. And on offense, she was just really aggressive. She was you know, playing empowered, but she wasn't just settling for jumpers. She was really getting to the rim, forcing the issue in the half court and getting to the free throw line. Uh, it was about five times a game last year. And we saw some of that player again, which is huge for the Liberty, which they really need out of her. Um, and after that, in response, you know, to that Quigley three, uh, she threw it in the key of on, just inside out, got it right back, and just a hard one dribble, took it down the baseline, and got a layup, which tied the game at 82 at that point. And then down the stretch of regulation, uh, dribble handoff again, diamond to Shields, got all the way to the rim. Uh, really good look for her, and the shot just didn't fall. And then Zealous, um, funny enough, after that play, um, the ball ended up finding her defender running at her, one dribble pull-up, and airballed it. Um, and then Courtney Vandersloot, uh, just a really nasty finish on a drive, uh, got by her defender, and then as she was falling down through both Liberty Bigs, Tina Charles and Kiovan, managed to somehow scoop it up over the top of the, their arms, and that shot went through. Tina Charles had an answer, got to that right hook shot, which is money for her. And then a really nice sideline out of bounds play from the sky. Courtney Vandersloot caught the ball running towards half court. And then she was going to kind of turn towards the left wing. And Diamond to Shields was kind of cutting towards the right wing underneath Vandersloot, kind of hugging the three-point line. And so they're running, they're basically going in opposite directions. And Vandersloot, just right after catching it, she slipped a bounce pass to DeShields. And because she got that running start, she just kept going with her right towards the rim. And again, just another great look uh, that didn't fall, which may sound like a broken record to the Sky fans, but she was just getting great looks. And that one in particular, Tina Charles just made a great read. She was there to meet DeShields at the rim. She got up off the ground, arms in the air to get a good contest on it at the very least. And then next time down for the Liberty, Epiphany Prince uh, drove the front. Tina, She was looking at Tina Charles. She was getting fronted. So Prince drove it down the baseline because then that, that defender is not going to be able to help to stop her drive because she's on the high side of Tina Charles. And Zealous cut to the basket on that drive. And Prince was looking for her, and Zealous missed the layup. She wanted a foul. And this was another one where um, I don't know what other angles were even available, but we didn't get a replay on the broadcast other than from the sideline. So all we saw was the back of Zealous, and it was just impossible to tell if there was any contact there. So the game is still tied. Chicago's got the ball. They bring it down. Don't take a timeout. Allie Quigley ends up popping out to the right wing, and it was kind of in semi-transition, so there was some cross-matching there. And Tina Charles was there. She took Quigley on, and Quigley had the ISO there, and she ended up taking a pull-up three, which was a it was a pretty decent look. You know, Charles was maybe a step and a half behind the line, and she was able to, you know, she got up and got a hand up, but the shot was just short, and that sent us to overtime. And I won't I won't uh, 
bore you anymore with the play-by-play, but a really exciting overtime. I think, you know, Brittany Boyd, I think this game really showed that that it just, everything just kind of seems to fall into place a little bit more for the Liberty on offense when she's out there, which is huge for them. And it does get tough, you know, if they're going to play through Charles in the post and Boyd isn't really a big-time jump shooter, although in this one, she hit a big three-pointer. She hit a long two, another nice pull-up jumper, and then drew a foul, a big foul in the middle of the overtime period, just taking a screen from Charles going in the middle and then pulling up for a short jumper. So it things just seem to work a little bit better with Boyd on the court. She's pushing the tempo every chance she gets, and it's you know, and it's just good to see her back on the court after suffering that Achilles tear uh, so early into last season. But as mentioned, with Steph Dolson also being in foul trouble, that did play a little bit of a factor in the overtime. Uh, but for the most part, she was on Tina Charles. She did a good job of battling her, um, just pushing her out, even if it's just a little bit, to make things tougher for her from the start. Um, and the big takeaway from the overtime period, uh, New York was able to pull away. You know, the middle of the overtime, the Amber Stocks actually went with, uh, put Jameer Faulkner in for Courtney Vandersloot, and that was actually right after uh, Boyd got to the free throw line on that jumper where she got fouled. And I don't know if it was just giving Vandersloot a break. She ended up coming back about two minutes later, and... Uh, at the time when she left, the Sky were down six. She came back, they were down seven. Um, so I just, to me, that was a little bit of a puzzling decision uh, to take out your floor general and just the source of so much of your offense. When you're down by six, you just you need to score and you need to be able to get good looks. And and Vandersloot just obviously gives them so much that they can't really get, they can't manufacture really out of anything else. And, you know, we saw late in the game, um, the other, you know, the other big decision was uh, Diamond to Shields not playing down the stretch. And again, her not hitting some shots, maybe that came into it. But Jamira Faulkner ended up closing the game alongside uh, Vandersloot and Quigley in, you know, a three-guard lineup. And top of the key, you know, the ball found Faulkner up top and with at the time the Liberty are just up one and she airballed it and it was it didn't look good it was about three feet to the left um Dolson got the rebound and the reverse ended up not falling um but and again it's it's tough to nitpick it's one game the sky have looked awesome when their three all-stars are together uh but just seeing that down the stretch it's a little frustrating um, especially I think if you're looking at that from a Sky fan perspective, to go away from Vandersloot for two minutes in an overtime game and you're naturally going to struggle a little bit more to score. And then Faulkner ends up staying out there. The ball finds her, and obviously that shot was tough to watch. But also just because of the fact that Diamond to Shields wasn't on the court either. Just one of your most important offensive players, um, arguably the most dynamic athlete on your team, somebody that makes plays on both ends at this point. You know, she's not just a talented scorer. She makes a lot of plays defensively already, too. So that, I think, is tough to see. But 
uh, that good, they got that good look at the end, didn't fall, uh, put back, didn't fall, and Shavante Zellis ended up with it and hit the free throws to seal it. So for Liberty, you snapped the five-game losing skid, which was crucial. And as I wrote, you know, going in July to July here, this is the month where the playoff picture is going to really take take form, and the Liberty need to be able to string some wins together to get to get rolling here. But Tina Charles in 38 minutes. Uh, she was fantastic, 28 points, 7 boards, 9 of 18, 9 of 10 at the line. Brittany Boyd, she ended up playing 27 minutes. She finishes with 14, 4 or 5 assists, 2 steals. As mentioned, she knocked down a 3-pointer, shot 5 of 6 at the line. I mentioned Allie's, Allie Quigley's line, she was ridiculous. Vandersloot uh, finishes with 36 minutes, a line of 20 points, 6, 5 assists. 7 of 13 shooting, and 4 of 6 on three-pointers. But that'll do it for tonight. No games in the WNBA on Monday. So in the meantime, with that day off on the schedule, just a reminder, you can catch up on Saturday's episode in case you missed it, recapping the Mercury and the Mystics game. Or, of course, you may be watching some of Sunday's games and hopefully popping this episode on. And as always, let us know what you think of these kinds of episodes which we'll also you know, be using to incorporate player audio when we have reporters out at games and also just other members of the media getting just an instant reaction out there and just recapping what happened in the games. Remember, you can vote for the All-Star Game once a day. Go on the league website or just on Twitter. Tweet the player's name, um, hashtag WNBA vote. And just finally visit High Post Hoops, read our latest coverage, Catch up on some of our video interviews, which you can catch on our High Post Tubes page on YouTube. And that's it. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.